0: Welcome to the Pen and the Yod. This week's Torah portion is He. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshe Synagogue in Chicago sits down with author Jonathan Eig and talks about are there things that we can just never forgive, even if it's family?
1: Let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever had a relationship with a person who did something that affected you so negatively that you simply decided... I can't ever have anything to do with this person again, and simply cut off the relationship. Yeah, um, I definitely don't
0: want to go into too many details. No, but um, I did. I can think of one where I was so hurt and so um, shocked that the person would behave that way that I just decided I could never have any contact again, and and it was painful for me. Um, and I've thought about this person again often and um, but I never had contact again.
1: Huh? Because in a real way, and I think all of us, by the way, have, have moments like that. We have relationships like that. I say I just can't, I just can't know you anymore. I can't, I can't do this anymore. This just hurt too badly or I'm just I don't want to be associated. With somebody who would act this way in
0: some ways it's you know like amputating the limb you you feel like you just can't you can't even think about it. that's maybe not a good analogy, but you can't even think about a way to go forward so it's easier just to say history done we're gonna pretend I never knew you and you can do that, but with family it's much harder that's different and this person was not family, but with family it's a lot harder because there's always this connection, not just this history this shared experience of having come from the same place and come from the same people. But there's a sense that you belong, that, that this is, you know, this is, you're, you connect in the deepest possible way.
1: Right. And so when people say, well, you should really just bury the hatchet, you're thinking about burying the hatchet inside of them, right? Yeah. And
0: sometimes the emotions run stronger because it's family and because you expect more from family. So when they disappoint you, the
1: feelings run even hotter. And this really is a great introduction to our toll reading because... That is exactly the issue that Joseph is going to face. In the portion of Vayechi, Jacob gathers his sons together before his death. Classic scene. We've seen this before with Isaac. And he's going to bless his children. The bulk of the portion is the blessings that he gives each one of his sons, which are sometimes chilling in their frankness. And also it feels as though there's a judgmental quality to them as well. There can be very harsh. Jacob dies. Joseph attends to his burial, which is an interesting subject in and of itself. But when Joseph returns, his brothers wonder to themselves if now that their father has died, if Jacob is going to really punish them. And they have precedent for this. They remember, they must have known, that when Their father stole the birth blessing that their uncle Esau said, when Isaac dies, I'm going to kill my brother. So here's this classic family pattern repeating itself, and the brothers are terrified. You can't blame them, can you? Yeah. although
0: it suggests that maybe they haven't really uh, healed their relationship. They don't trust one another, at least not yet. They haven't overcome all the suspicions and the doubts that have been created by their history together.
1: How do we deal with? Something that's too good to be true. Right. How do we deal with the person who acts better than you? You think, I I never do that.
0: Well, Joseph has all the power because he forgave them. And what have they done in return to show Joseph their love and trust?
1: Right. So part of it is the imbalance in the relationship. And their own sense that, you know, A, I wouldn't have done this. And B, how do we even possibly reciprocate? So what they do is something even more terrible. They pretend... That Jacob has left sort of a last, a secret message that they're to deliver to Joseph, not Jacob himself, but he gives it to the brothers saying, "You know, I know what happened years ago, but you got to forgive your brothers. That's my will." And they and they deliver this message to Joseph, and Joseph's response is so interesting. I mean, how would you I think about it for a minute? How would you react if you knew that you had done this amazing? act of forgiveness that you had forgiven when these people didn't really deserve your forgiveness and now they're lying to you again now they're you know kind of they sully they're sullying the whole act
0: yeah it's well it's you know what happens when a spouse cheats and gets forgiven and cheats again right or what happens when someone lies to you and and you do all the work to rebuild the trust and then they lie again these are not unusual occurrences this is family this is what happens in families all the time
1: it does. And I think any of us can think about, well, what would I do in this moment? Especially with somebody, a family member, a brother, a sister, cousin. I would tell them, that this is it. We're done. But that's not what Joseph does. What Joseph does is he cries. And then he says to his brothers, have no fear. Am I a substitute for God? Beside, although you intended to be harmed, God intended it for good. So Joseph is wearing those historical goggles that we've talked about before. Sees God in everything. But I want to suggest to you what the rabbis would call the nafkamina, the practical application of the story, is that in some relationships that are really important to us, there are more important things than being right. And I think that that's a big part of the story, that we're not going to be able to go forward in our lives. So I'm simply going to stop I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not engaging with you. I'm going to let you sit with what you just did. But I still want to be in a relationship with you. So we're just not even going to go there.
0: It's an extraordinary kind of faith. And, you know, I deal in much more um, mundane stories as lives that I write about. I'm trying to understand people's motivations and um I often find myself wondering why someone stayed in in a relationship is particularly wives who were cheated on repeatedly again and again. and, And they somehow see themselves. And I've had some of these women tell me that they felt like there was something bigger at stake. Cheating was his problem and it was incredibly hurtful to them, but, They felt like they needed to keep their family together. They felt like their their husband's work was work from God, that he needed to carry on with the other work that he was doing that they believed was a mission and tied directly to their faith and that staying in the marriage seemed to them the greater good. And it's hard for an outsider like me to understand that, but you have to respect the, the sacrifice that they made.
1: What's the alternative? You know, We can have the victory of the moment where you walked away
0: where you uh, sued for divorce and asked for a lot of money and alimony. And there's a sense of, you know, justice there. Like, I'm, I'm going to make him pay for the way he treated me. And that's
1: understandable. Right. But the difference in the story that you're describing and the story of Joseph is one of power. Joseph had all the power. That's right. The, the, the people that you're talking about had no power. That's right. And they were totally dependent on who, whoever it was, Muhammad Ali, and he did what he was going to do. And what was their alternative? Especially someone who was such a, so iconic.
0: Yeah, and these were also women in the 1960s when women um, did not have the kind of independence that they have now. And they may
1: have felt like without their husbands, they didn't know what they would do. And, that, and those are the battles that are being fought today and headlines over and over again. And that's all true. And it's, but I think I do think the power relationship is important. I mean, in a way, Joseph could do what he was doing because he held all the cards. That's right. He could afford to be magnanimous. But what's interesting here is that Joseph is paradigmatic of how families survive and can go forward together. Since, Since the beginning of the Torah, what you have are dysfunctional family after dysfunctional family after dysfunctional family, beginning with Adam and Eve. Cain and Abel, flood generation, Noah's own relationship with his own family. You've got issues in Abraham's family. You've got Lot's family, which is pretty crazy. You have Jacob and Esau, and then you've got this. What Joseph does in this moment is that because he aligns himself with something higher—in this case, it's God—he heals the family. He ends this cycle of anger destruction. And what's fascinating about this is that when Joseph dies at the end of the portion, the next thing is going to happen, because this ends the book of Genesis, the next thing that's going to happen is that we're going to open the book of Exodus, Mm -hmm. and redemption is coming. That only when Joseph undoes the sin of Adam, which was to take all knowledge for himself, but Joseph says everything comes from God. All knowledge, in a way, comes from God. My the, my, the path of my life comes from God. That's the tree of life. That's the tree of knowledge that he's eating from, right? But then you also have Joseph as the one who heals the family. He makes it possible for redemption. He makes them worthy of redemption. And in a way, don't you think that we all have part of the story in our lives? Well, we do.
0: We all have the power to at least try to heal relationships. Um, you don't always succeed, but you can always forgive, I guess.
1: Well, isn't there a point where you can say, okay, they're not going to say the words I want them to say. I was wrong. Right? right. What was I thinking? I'm right. so sorry. They have their own backstory. They have their own way of understanding it. But when do, I, when do we look into each other's eyes and say, my relationship with you is too important to me to allow it to be destroyed on the rocks, on the shore. I'm just not going to do it.
0: Yeah, I think that requires—we may not have the power of Joseph, but we, have to, uh, we you have to have some humility to sort of say, I have to accept the people the way they are. I have to accept the fact that he can't say what I need him to say. And I'm just going to move on and genuinely love this person for the parts that I can.
1: There are things that are more important than my feelings in the moment. And family's one of them. Because the resonance of that it was a film Avalon, and in the film you have two brothers and that famous scene where a younger brother's family would wait endlessly for the older family the older brother's family to come and that it was the job of the older brother to carve the turkey on Thanksgiving. And one year, the the younger brother couldn't wait anymore. It was just too humiliating, and he cut the turkey. And that was the rift in the family. But but, but so many families have stories just like that. I can't uncut the turkey. (laughs) I can't fix it. I can't go back and undo it. But can we just love each other and go forward? Because... There's something bigger here at stake, which is the family and the resonance and how this gets carried down into generations. That's the story. That's um, that's Joseph and his brothers. And the Torah is telling us it makes for redemption.